Hi everyone, welcome back to Chirping with ABA Owls. I'm Carla and that's Lauren. Hi! <laughs> so, just a disclaimer before we start. These are our thoughts and experiences. We are not claiming to know everything. We are only speaking from our own experience. Anything to discuss from the previous podcast, Lauren? I can't remember that far back, to be honest, but um, <laughs> I did want to say that I have, haven't been as good about promoting stuff, so I'm sorry, but I can't think of anything. Maybe it was a bit boring for some people, but interesting for others, so I hope you found it interesting. Well, I hope so too, <laughs> you know, and you know, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, Consultants and Supervisors, uh, we do advise you to listen to it because it does have relevant relevant information for when deciding to start an ABA program. And before we get started, we just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who attended the online workshop, and we hope that it was enjoyable and helpful for everyone. We do have another one coming up on the 23rd of March, Function of Behavior, Assessing Items and Activities. They will last for an hour and a half, uh, will cost £25 per person, and of course we will supply all learning resources, including practical exercises. We are very into practical. It will be via online, so you can join from anywhere in the world. So please just email us for more details and registration at aba.owls.uk at gmail.com. Cool. Thank you, Carla. And yeah, thanks to everybody who has joined us for those um, workshops. We really, really appreciate your support. And as Carla mentioned, we really hope you found them helpful. Um, the topic for today is ABA programs. As you may be aware, we're kind of on a roll in terms of our ABA programs. Um, and we kind of scaffolded from the top, not from the bottom. So we've, you know, moved through like what they consist of and consultants and supervisors. And now we're going to be talking about tutors. Um, and I think, you know, the reason we chose that topic or this topic is because, you know, we felt that it follows nicely on from our previous topics, as I mentioned, scaffolding down. Um, so we've got our ABA programs, yay or nay, and then consultants and supervisors. And I think ABA programs need tutors in order to function. I know that sounds like an obvious statement, but tutors play a fundamental role. Okay, We've both been tutors, Carl and I, and we've kind of worked our way up to being supervisors and consultants, you know, in various settings. Um, but also, it's really, really important to have that kind of understanding, especially when you do move up, because you know what it's like to be in that position. Um, and we feel that this is the next topic to discuss, and we disc listen to me, discuss. <laughs> and we hope that you really enjoy it. And please feel free to send us an email or visit the website, okay, which is www.aba.org. No, sorry, www.abaowls.com. Um, if you want to suggest any topics, we really, really um, are more than happy to receive any topics. Um, and also you Always. can email us. Yeah, because, you know, Carl and I have an, our ideas, but we really love to hear what people want to hear about, our community. You know, yeah, definitely. It's very important to us to feel that, um, you know, that we that we're reaching out to people and that they are interested in what we're talking about. And before we get started, Carla mentioned this already, but we really do advise that you listen to the previous episode, Consultants and Supervisors, as it has relevant information for when, when deciding to start an ABA program and will help you um, understand more about the tutor role through listening to that one. So we've got part one and part two. They're available on iTunes. I promise we're not making any money from you listening to the podcast, so it's actually advice 
to help you, not because we are going to gain anything from it. Yeah. Which is, yeah. you know. <laughs> we do this for free, guys. Our time and effort and energy and whatever. So please do go listen. We, we, we feel that this is important information that we wish we had when starting out in the field. And we wish that we can share with people um, but we haven't had a platform and now we do have one. So this is kind of what caught in our feel that people will find useful. So yeah, so please go and listen to those other ones. Um, yeah. All right. Should we get started? Cool. Let's do it. All right. We are going to follow our usual format. And if you've been a listener, you kind of know this. If you're not, hello. So we like to do the WH question. So the what, who, where, when, how, etc. So we're going to first discuss... What is a tutor? So we're going to talk about the difference between being a tutor and a teacher. So a tutor in ABA is someone that implements the ABA procedures and does the targets with the child. A teacher is someone who can be a tutor, but usually teachers, well, usually always, teachers are called teachers because they have education, they've been they have a core source, you know, they've, they're specialized in an area. So teachers actually have a degree in education or if some, te- I think some teachers special, specialize in a, a certain area, others are more like primary, like general teaching. But sometimes people say, oh, we're going to have um, our, we have a teacher in ABA, but just make sure you know the difference because a tutor is someone who's teaching the ABA program and doesn't have a teaching degree, and a teacher is someone who can be a tutor and teach the ABA targets, but has a teaching degree, and I think sometimes it's important to know that distinction, because uh, they're different. So, yes, that's an important distinction to make. Absolutely, and I think also, you know, tutor is a word that some people um, aren't as familiar with, so teacher is sometimes an easier word for us to use. Hey, Carla, don't you agree? So I just say Mm. I'm a a special needs teacher, even though I'm not, um, because I think it's what other people would understand for their Mm -hmm. context. So, yeah, I know in South Africa it used to be very different. Becoming a teacher has changed a lot. Like we used to have degrees, and now we have postgraduate diplomas, and so you can do it for a year, and you before you had to do it like four years or but there were colleges so yeah it's evolved kind of as the times have gone on um but yeah I think for us sometimes it's easier to say special needs teacher even though we're not special needs teachers um or a teacher who specializes in teaching children with autism it can become quite complicated because if you say you're a a behavior analyst people just don't get what that is um so yeah Yeah. so (laughs) and then of course we have our registered behavior technician who's also, it's a qualification that's recognized yeah. from the BACB. Um, and those are tutors that have um, done an extra course to become a registered behavior technician. So they do, and they get supervised and they get, um, yeah, supervision hours and write a, a test to get that qualification. Yeah, and they comply by the ethics code the same way that the BCBA would. So they are, you know, they have to read the ethics code and be aware of it um, mm-hmm. and follow it. So sometimes people prefer to to hire RBTs because it's an official qualification. Um, hum, however, you know, if a person shows evidence of having enough experience, even though they don't have an RBT, I would say that's safe to hire. They are safe to hire as well. Yeah. Uh, but 
ERBTs just means it's someone who, you know, is registered with with the BCBA and they have to renew it every every year. So there's maintenance of those mm. skills. Yeah. So it's a good yeah. And but because, they both have. Are, sorry. Yes. Sorry, and also because, you know, it used to take so long to get any qualification as, you know, you mm. get your master's, but you weren't necessarily internationally recognized for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. also you can do that without practical experience. You know, you can do your master's without doing any supervision. Um, that I think that the community felt that there should be an Im- interim step. So it's really good because if you're a yeah. tutor and you are working towards becoming a BA, BCABA or BCBA, it will take you a long time to get there. So an RBT is like a, a step towards that and a step towards being acknowledged. So, yeah, I think it's something that's really good, but also that, you know, as Carla mentioned, if you have a lot of experience and you've been recommended by other professionals in the in, in the ABA world, you know, that's probably someone that's also a good person to hire too. Yeah, and both an RBT and a tutor, they will have the same responsibilities within the program. Um, mm-hmm. And I, actually, we're going to move on to... We've explained what a tutor is and the differences. So now we're going to talk a little bit about what a tutor does and what we should expect a tutor to do. So overall, I think something that we can all agree and and even depending on the programs is that a tutor runs the targets. They update the program's information. So um, we have a tracker of the skills, which we call a skills tracker. So we rewrite everything that's been mastered, when it has been introduced, etc., uh, we have a target sheet, we call it a data sheet, or a weekly data sheet, or a weekly probe sheet, there's many different names. Um, and the tutor keeps that updated, and they also communicate with the supervisor or consultant, and the learners, guardians, or parents, or carers, just to keep everyone updated, because the tutor is the person with more contact with the child, during for the program, I mean, of course, running the program. So the tutor ends up being on in the center as well mm. of communicating progress and information, I think. Yeah, and I think, you know, the communication might differ. If a tutor is working mm-hmm. in a school or an organization, they might not yeah, necessarily completely. have direct contact with a parent or the guardian or carer, yeah. etc. But they would still be, I like to call them front of line. You know, they're the first... Yeah. They're Definitely, the first port yeah. of call, you know, they're the ones who are teaching the skills day to day. Um, so, yeah, I think that's depending, the communication might differ slightly. Yeah, exactly. And, well, we know we said about the things that we think are, you know, all tutors would agree there are their responsibilities and supervise, etc. But now we're going to talk a little bit of something that's a bit of a debate between tutors, supervisors, consultants, parents, etc., which is making the resources for the program. That's so da, da. Pro- <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Because when you have an ABA program, you need a lot of resources, yeah. and it can be caught. Co- yeah, and it can be costly. And we try. We need to be a bit savvy sometimes and find alternatives, um, like platforms like twinkle the internet talking to your peers asking oh do you have do you know this do you know that do you have this do you have that etc and so there's a debate about who should prepare the resources should it be the consultant and the sup- or supervisor or should it be the tutor or should the parent find things sometimes and you can ask yourself self- several questions when thinking about this so for example 
does a resource involve particular expertise to make? And by that we mean, does, does the resource need to be prepared in a way, specifically for the program, that the tutor is not able to do, or that the supervisor or consultant has more experience in, in making? Um, does it need to be done a particular way? for example, or, and does the tutor already have a lot of resources to make? So if we're implementing a new program, usually you have lots of stuff, to, lots of things to prepare because it's a new program. And potentially if the tutor has too much work on their hands, then it might be needed for the supervisor to support. Yes? Yeah, or like limited admin time, you know, because sometimes, yeah. you know, you have to agree yeah. with the family or the school how much time you'll have to prepare resources um, and how much of that time can be spent creating. And I think, yeah, yeah. it depends exactly what you said. It depends on how, how, how specific does the resource need to be? Does it need to be tailored to the yeah. young person? And if so, you know, it might take you a little bit longer. I've had to, like, do stories where I write stories because I know the kid will like a certain theme of a story and I can't find that, so I have to make it. And that took a little while to try and develop. So, yeah. And then we all bring work home in the end. Everyone does it. We've yeah. all done it. We're all going to keep doing it. We just know because there's actually ABA, there's a lot of work around ABA that people don't realize. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like they think it's magic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's, and you can also ask, can the parent help? Yes, is the please. parent willing? Yeah. <laughs> is it, are the parents willing to help? To be honest, they should. Sorry, because it's your child. Mm you should be able to contribute even a little bit because it's your child. Yeah. And also it's good to just be involved and know, you know, yeah. be aware of how long that takes people. And it's not just, as you yeah. said, like you don't just click your fingers and something happens. Um, yeah. And, and how quickly can the resource be made? Isn't it just, is sometimes, is it worth, the yeah. time you spend on doing the resource for the mm -hmm. time you're going to be using it for. You do, as a behavior analyst, we do need to consider this as well. Like, well, okay, so I'm going to make this super complicated thing, mm -hmm. but it's going to be used just for a, a, a probe or assessment. And it's just, mm -hmm. well, is it worth it then, all that time yeah. <laughs> that you're using it? I, you know, I did, remember when I did for that, we had that pupil, my first pupil in your class who loved, um, who wants to be a millionaire. Oh, God. And I made, I made on Photoshop, I made like, um, a board game, uh, of the, of that, of that program. And then I made cards so he would learn to answer interverbal questions. Yeah, bless him. And it took a bit of time, but we did use it quite a lot. He loved yeah. playing the game. Yeah. We just had to then we just had to swap the questions once in a while. Exactly. But he yeah. loved that game. He yeah, loved I think it. and also if it's gonna be something like if it's a teaching material that could turn into a motivator or a reinforcer, like why not? You know? Especially Even if it's better. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if it's play skill based, then absolutely. Um but yeah, you're right. And you know, I think you know that might also work quite nicely to find out like who will act in the role of the tutor and why do we need a tutor um so the yes oh can yes sorry carla no i was gonna ask can i read this really cool quote that i yes, found that i came across Go for it. so lauren was saying who will act and why do you need a tutor so because i'm studying from my bcba uh and i came across this really cool quote by Donald M. Bayer, 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 
how do I say it? I say bear. I don't know if that's right. Bear. Yeah, like a bear. Like an animal bear. So, it's from a book he published in 1999, um, page 12. And it says, All persons are potential teachers of all sorts of behavior changes. Just because you are designated as a teacher or behavior analyst does not mean that you have an exclusive franchise on the ability to make deliberate behavior changes. In fact, there is no possibility of such a franchise. Everyone in contact contributes to everyone else's behavior, both to its changes and its maintenance. And that is beautiful. Mhm. It's yeah. just, it's true. Yeah, it is very very true. It's um and the thing is also is that, you know, everybody as as he mentions there, everybody can be shaping behavior or, you know, influencing it in some way. So it's good to be mindful yeah. of that. Um yeah, and a tutor can be anyone, you know. Everyone can be trained into becoming an ABA tutor if they desire to and are willing to accept some s- certain things yeah. about behaviours. You know, Carl well, and okay, I... parents can be a tutor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have some clients that are like that. Um, or they can yeah, we do. H- hire other people, you know. Sometimes we do, like, share. You know, we have we come in and we also train the parents. So we also tutor or we have tutors. And then we train the parents to be able to be teachers too you know so it just depends on what works yeah, exactly. for that family yeah it's it's everyone's different and the tutor is just someone who is running your targets using aba procedures and if the parents you know are not trained or they're or they're not inclined to be the tutors or if they you know and sometimes parents were now nowadays especially at working from home and the idea is to have someone to you know be with a child or to do the targets with the child or sometimes and let's be honest sometimes parents do enjoy need and enjoy a break Absolutely. because it's it being 24 7 especially nowadays with schools closed and it must be very full-on and it's completely understandable that sometimes they're like you know what i i do need just a couple of hours just to be able to have some peace and quiet um, it doesn't like it doesn't mean that they cannot use some principles. Yeah. In the rest of the time. Yeah. Isn't it like you exactly. you can have both ways, mm-hmm. isn't it? And especially you know consistency is very important. So even yeah, if they aren't true. willing to be the tutor, they should be following like following the broader behavioral procedures yeah. because those are the ones that really yeah. have an impact. Um, yeah. And things and and you know and some parents can't afford a tutor. Of course, yeah, you know and and I I believe that if parents feel more empowered about how to teach their kids and how to engage them in such a way, we yeah they the the dynamic changes of the child being in control yeah. to the parent going no definitely I'm still a parent and you know. I know that you struggle with some things, but I'm going to help you through it. And yeah, I think it's quite empowering. I personally think that parents, um, if the more involved they are, the quicker the progress is seen in children. Because parents are the ones who know the child for longest. They mm-hmm. have what we call more instructional control, which means it means the child will listen to them quicker and more and more often than not, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to a, new, to a stranger. And you also need to consider that a tut and tutors are really good. T- tutors will train parents. They can train you. They they can do the stuff. But there's always going to be 
autism and a need. So it's not like tutors are going to lose their jobs all the time. But tutors as well, you can get really dependent on having a tutor. And it can be financially, can be really expensive and hard. And I sometimes feel that it would be more beneficial for parents to be trained by either a consultant or tutor who's experienced and they start applying things in their daily life. So then the tutor can fade away and work with other families that might need them because the point is not you being dependent on someone else doing this this stuff. The, The idea is like Lauren said, you being empowered to be able to handle your child, to, to teach, to motivate, to, even not teach, motivate, engage, mm. um, reinforce, be able to manage, yeah, reinforce, being able to manage behaviors and and be able to go on holidays and not yeah. feel stressed or go to the supermarket and knowing exactly how to handle if they try to run away mm. or try to grab things, you know? Yeah. I um I worked with a family once and I was hired as a tutor and I think um when they saw the expectation of I had of their child, um, they were like, Wow, I can't believe that this child can do this and I was like, Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember the mom saying to me at one point, she's like, I never want you to leave me because I need you and oh. then it got to a point where we were working together, the mom and I and he was also amazing. So he, you know, naturally generalized his skills across a lot of adults, uh, which is quite amazing. Um, and so he mm-hmm. just started doing stuff, you know, um, spontaneously without people prompting him. Aww. And um, she was like, I just can't believe how much progress he's made. And she just needed to see that to know Aww. that it worked and that he could be so much more independent and you know he could communicate and he could play and he could learn and he was really bright you know so it's yeah I think she just needed to see it um in order to believe and when she did she was like wow I'm so so proud of him and I was like I'm so proud of him because I you know when I started I thought he was going to be good I didn't know he was going to be this good um and yeah, it was it was yeah. lovely to see that whole family sort of like bloom, for lack of a better word, you know, just to become more comfortable and you know feel more in control of things and being and being like, no, he will learn and he is able to learn. So it was quite quite a beautiful experience. Aww. Yeah, so that's um, really good. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Well, let's move to when should a tutor run sessions? Cool and. Again, there's lots of variables we consider. We have to think of everyone is different. Every child is different. Every one situation will be different. So it will depend on the needs of the child, the severity of the problem behavior. Who is the tutor? Is it a parent or is it a third person? Are they experienced or not? And their financial abilities, because we do need to consider, as behavior analysts, we do consider people's financial abilities and or we should at least I I know some people do say this is my price take it or leave it which is fair enough um, however you need to also consider okay so this family can only afford for me to come twice a week how can I potentialize that time to make mm. them you know to make them exactly be able to enjoy to enjoy the service as much as possible and yeah you know, it's, yeah, it's just different for everyone, isn't mm. it? Yeah, and I think also, you know, as you mentioned, the severity of behavior. You know, sometimes we see 
children that are have a have a lot of skills you know they're able to communicate but they're still having quite a lot of problem behavior so sometimes that's the mm-hmm. only thing that really needs to be tackled so you might not need as much intervention yeah. but sometimes we work with children who are have several barriers to learning you know they have problem behavior but they're also not able to communicate yeah. they also have they don't have great you know self independent skills or daily living skills so yeah i think it depends on the need of the child and Sometimes you know we, we when you start you don't know where to start you're like there's so much where do we start but depending on what the financial yeah. ability of the family is and what their dire need is we start there and then often we see progress in that area and we start being able to move on and sometimes parents and you know discuss this and with us and they say well our goal is we need to be able to comment down without reinforcing the problem behavior mm-hmm. and we need to be able to blah so let's say they set a target and then once the target is met we can fade or terminate services mm-hmm. or if they want to because what happens a lot of the times i feel is we start an aba program great and there's no foreseeable end to it yeah there's no direction but sometimes the, yeah and sometimes it is necessary because we the child does need a lot of support but other times it will be i think beneficial to discuss okay what is the end goal where do we want yeah. the child to get to to the point yeah. where we can fade out and to be able to fade out what can we put in place or learn ourselves so when the tutor fades out we are able to maintain mm. and manage this behavior because there's honestly Definitely. there's so much need isn't it there's so much need out there there's n- yeah. we don't have to feel that we need to cling isn't it we don't have to cling on to every single program yeah. we come across because there's so many people needing help at the moment yeah i do think that as practitioners we all need to get better at learning to fade ourselves yeah. out i think you know we need to really yeah. practice that element and i think you know the more we practice it the better we'll be at it exactly how we work with our course, young people yeah. you know so i think yeah it's a it's a good aim for us i know i always talk about that with carla we've always talked about that so how if we've set something up how are we going to fade it out and really thinking about that yeah. long and hard is really really important um and also i think you know when to the tutor run session is depending on what is stipulated and this is obviously a uk based term and sorry the rest of the world we're not mm-hmm. entirely you know um versed on whatever else people call it but we have the educational <laughs> educational healthcare plan um it used to be called a statement so you used to get a statement oh of, um yeah i don't know if they've all converted so the ehcp came uh the educational healthcare plan came out afterwards the statement so if you were diagnosed oh. with a need you get a statement and in the statement it would stipulate what care you need how much um provision you would need what it would look like so that would be you know you mentioned your occupational therapists and your speech and language therapists etc um and then we converted to the educational healthcare plan but i don't know if that's rolled out everywhere out of all ages in the uk because they were doing certain years at certain times um but it was called um. a statement before um i know because i had to convert a lot of statements to the ehcps <laughs> i oh god um i worked with teenagers where the parents were applying for ehcps so i think it might be a thing until they're 18 it's till they're 25 
It's till the 25 oh, okay. from, from my understanding. I think that's, I'm sure that's what it is. Because I remember learning about it when the government changed the rules. I had to sit in a meeting and learn all about it. Um, but oh, they, goodness. yeah, it was thrilling. But they, um, <laughs> <laughs> they, it was something like, because it was going to take so long, they'd had certain mm. cusp years that were important. So if you were going into secondary, you'd have to be mm. go on to one. So I don't know whether they've rolled them out over all ages, and I'm sure COVID's had a huge impact on whether those are actually happening. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. just something as a side Honestly. thing I thought would be quite interesting to mention. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you for listening. This has been part one of Chirping with ABA Owls, ABA Programs, Tutors. 